Gentlemen, welcome to episode of the OI with Jamie Anstey. I'm joined this afternoon by former Detroit Red Wing, St. Louis Blue, and the National Hockey League. Played 77 games as a goaltender in the National Hockey League and also played for the Cornerbrook Royals in the Newfoundland Senior Hockey League, Doug Grant. Doug, thank you for joining me this afternoon. My pleasure, Jamie. How's uh, St. John's and how's uh, how's your family doing uh, during uh, during COVID? We're doing well. Uh, we were in Florida, actually, my wife and I. We had to get home in March because of everything getting shut down. But things are pretty good here. And uh, I get to watch my grandkids play hockey. So that's, that's one good thing. Even though a lot of other things are shut, the kids are still playing. So I, get, I spend a lot of my time there. Yeah, I'm... I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, as we record this episode, and uh, we're very fortunate uh, here in Halifax. We actually get to start practice uh, this Wednesday. Numbers are still around 25 per players, coaches in in the Halifax arena. So we're very fortunate, and I have grandparents in in Gander, and uh, they don't they don't get to see their grandsons or granddaughters play hockey like you have so how are the how are the the rinks how are things going in in uh, st john's as far as like minor hockey is how like it's, i know each province is different like i know in saskatchewan bc and i you know yourself the numbers in ontario so how how is hockey right now in uh, st john's newfoundland well right now everything has to be two line uh my oldest grandson played AAA last year here with St. John's Hitman. So he's playing this year in, I guess it's called under 15 now. It used to be called Bantam Hockey. So their team now has two lines, basically. They, they got six forwards, five defensemen, and goaltender, two goalies. And they, the forwards dress in one dressing room and the other guys dress in the other. And that's sort of the way it is. So... But it's better than nothing, I guess. It's two-line hockey. Instead of playing three 15-minute periods, now they only play two 15s. You can only have one person in the penalty box. You can't have two. Uh, you know, that, that's a, you know so, sort of different rules that way. But the kids are getting lots of hockey, so that's the main thing. Yeah, and, and that's, that's how it's going to be in each province. Every province is not going to be the same. It all depends on the numbers. The numbers are staggering. Numbers in Ontario, B.C., you you see it on the CBC and all across Canada the numbers and be be grateful like like I just mentioned uh, the team that I'm with the, the junior B Cohober Colts here in uh, HRM we get to practice this Wednesday it's only allowing 25 people per ice 
per ice pad. Uh, so there'd be, you know, three coaches on the ice, uh, 20 odd players. And then myself kind of, you know, doing the equipment and skate sharpening type thing. So, Hey, just be, be grateful. I know each province is different, but Hey, it's, it's, we'd like to see it all across Canada, but Hey, it's, it's great for you to get, getting to see your granddaughter or grandson at the rink and, We'll kind of just wait it out, and who knows when uh, vaccines and all that that good stuff will be able be available for people like yourself. Moving away from COVID talk, as we're probably all tired of hearing about COVID, which has been happening in the last yeah. 10, 10 months or so. Just tell me about your career. I know you your road to the NHL uh, was a bit different compared to n- nowadays, where you know uh, most players there's a process they start the midget triple a level which is now u18 and they go from the u18 to quebec major junior i know back in the day there was the quebec major junior st john's fog devils uh they no longer no longer excuse me no longer exist and just tell me your 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 journey and um we all know alex faulkner is a big name in newfoundland and and that's why i kind of like to have the people on the oi uh, people like yourself, I had, I won't mention names, but I, I did have one individual on, which will uh, drop today or tomorrow. Um, but some some players just get forgotten. And I, and I wanted to have you on because I strongly believe that uh, when you bring up Newfoundland hockey, everyone thinks, oh, Alex Faulkner, you know, Terry Ryan, who's in St. John's, played with the Montreal Canadiens only for eight games. But you know, I wanted to know Doug Grant's story. And, and Doug, just tell me your story and, and how it started, where, where you played hockey and uh, were you influenced a little by Alex? Like, how did he influence your game? But, hey, what? who knows? Uh, so what's your story on uh, how you made it to the NHL? Well, for me, uh, like I said, I played ball and minor hockey in Cornerbrook. And then uh, played and then senior hockey with the Royals and then came to Memorial University. But when I came into Mun, uh, I wasn't looking to play pro hockey. I was looking to hopefully uh, get a law degree. Anyway, after one, uh, after the last game, we played St. Mary's in the uh, Eastern semifinals in 72. When I came out of the rink, uh, I had two opportunities, I guess, uh, one from Toronto and one from Detroit, but Detroit were there first. Larry Jeffrey asked me if I'd be interested in coming to training camp that year. And at the time I said, well, maybe, I don't know. Uh, it was no, like I wasn't searching to get in the National Hockey League. So I said, uh, maybe, maybe not. So he said, well, can you think about it over a summer? I said, sure. So two weeks later, I had a call from Ned Harkness, who was general manager at the time for Detroit. And he asked me if I would come down to Fort Worth, which was, a, was one of their farm teams and finish up the season. And I said, well, how long would that take? He said, well, it could be six weeks, could be eight weeks, depending on, how far are you going to playoffs? And I said, well, no, I can't do that. And he said, why? And I said, well, because I'm in university and I'm married. And if I miss two months of school and I flunk out of school and you guys don't want me, I've got nothing. So he wasn't very happy and hung up the phone. But the next night he called me back again and said, how would you and your wife like to come to Fort Worth uh, for this weekend? Uh, I'll pay all your expenses and give you $100 a game. I said, I'll be there. So that's how it started. 
went there, played three games, uh, won two out of the three, lost the other one by one goal. And uh, the last game was in Omaha, Nebraska. So after that game, Bob Lemieux was the coach. And he asked me if I would stay another couple of weeks. And I said, no, my deal was three games and, and go home. So which I did. Then Detroit uh, offered me a contract or, you know, several times we had negotiations on stuff. So finally we agreed on a contract and uh, it was a two-year deal. So I said, sure, I'll come. And I did. And then I had a, I had a, I ended up playing in, in the American Hockey League that year. I had a real good year. I ended up being first all-star and I think I led the league in shutouts and we'll have, I don't I get all the other details, but anyway, it was good enough that uh, Detroit uh, then offered me a six-year deal at the end of the season because World Hockey at the time had offered me uh, a pretty good offer, but I figured I'd be better off staying with Detroit because we knew that league was going to go. So I ended up signing a six-year deal with Detroit and the next year I ended up in Detroit with the Red Wings in 73, 74. Just to add a little story, I, I've gotten a chat with Terry Ryan's father. He's known to everyone as senior Terry Ryan senior. And he's been on a different pod podcast over the last number of years. And I'm I'm not sure if you got to meet Terry Ryan senior, but I know Terry. Well, yes, I know all Terry. And so I'll just add a a short little story here to this conversation. He went the WHA route. I'm not sure about the escrow. He, you know, you know, Terry talks a mile a minute and you sometimes he was like, what did he say? So yeah, uh, he did mention something about, you know, the WHA, the escrow, and he, he stuck it out in Hamilton. I believe he was asked because he was playing with the Minnesota fighting saints, I believe. Um, and then he talked about the Minnesota North stars and, but I believe the WHA, had said, well, you know, you're going to get paid because I believe escrow is like when something, I'm not really, I, I don't really know a whole lot about the, the monies and stuff in the WHA. I know like in 79, Wayne Gretzky played with the Edmonton Oilers WHA team, but then when the WHA folded or whatever, the Oilers became the NHL Oilers. So that's how Gretzky became um, and Edmonton Oiler in the NHL because of the WHA thing. So your route was a bit different than Terry's. Terry's went, he stuck it out with Hamilton Red Wings before, this, and that, I'm not sure which the OHL I believe that was. Because, it was, yes. Yeah, because he wanted to stay in school. And same with you. You were uncertain, you know, if I go to the NHL and I and I miss out on schooling, then, hey, my school. I might have just lost a chance at a law degree. And Terry had the, the same story where, you know, he wanted to stay at the OHL, stay with Hamilton, and because and, he was going to school in Hamilton. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys just, just said, hey, I'll scrap school and I'll, and I'll stick it out. But if you're uncertain of your playing ability or where you're going to end up in five or six years, it's, it's probably best to continue with your education. Hey, and if you get to play hockey, that's great. So in your case, hey, you you did your thing with Detroit because you're uncertain about the WHA. So it's it's neat to see and hear from players back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that had these these uh, different journeys because you know the WHA was just um, was uncertain. Not a lot of guys 
new. Well, where could I be in five or six years? Like, you know, they weren't Gumporsley's or they weren't the Johnny Bowers or, you know, they weren't the Glenn Halls. And I know you, you got to play with Jim, Rutter, Jim Rutherford, who's doing very well now in management in the NHL. And Dennis DeJordi is a, was a solid goaltender, played with the Blackhawks. And if you were uncertain about your, your play or where your team was going to end up, then you kind of had to stay in a town where you were also getting to schooling. So yourself and Terry's different different paths and it's it's neat to see like how you guys played and uh, now there's a there's, there's a program to follow you got to go through the queue you go there's a process right and back then there wasn't a lot of leagues you kind of just you know if you're if if you happen to be in Detroit and um and then Red Wings needed you you played because you know back then they had trains now you can you can call a guy up from Vancouver to play in Toronto because you got airplanes and it's a different it's a different game now. It's 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 totally different from the uh, 70, 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. So yeah, it was it, it's quite quite the story to hear from individuals like yourself it's just how was hockey in the 60s, 70s and 80s and you never did get to play with uh, Gordy Howe. He you started with just tell me your Red Wings journey in the in the seventies and uh, did, did, sure. you ever, did you ever cross paths with uh, Gordy Howe? Uh, when I came to Detroit uh, in seventy three, uh, Gordy was with the team. He was finished then, okay. but Alex Delvecchio was still playing. Yeah, Alex, Alex, uh, Gary Bergman, Red Berenson, uh, those guys were all there. Uh, and don't forget Marcel Dion. I was going to ask Mar- how, Marcel how, how was, was playing with Marcel Dion. It was Marcel's second year. Yeah. And Mickey Redmond, I mean, we had some good guys there. Ace Bailey, who unfortunately died in 9-11 on United 175. But Ace, all those guys were Nick Libet, Billy Collins, Ronnie Stackhouse. So we had some good players in. Robbie Fatorik uh, was actually a coach here in the Halifax Citadels uh, American Hockey League team. I see on, uh, and that's the beauty of hockey DB. Uh, you can't you can't lie about your stats anymore because there's a there's a elite prospects and there's a uh, hockey DB website that that shows all the stats. So I know uh, I've talked true. To, I've talked to some uh, NHL alumni and they say, oh, I I scored this amount of points and I'll look up. It's like, no, you only scored like 20 points and they'll yeah. lie. They'll lie and make themselves uh, <laughs> look better than what the hockey DB. Well, Robbie Fatorik was my roommate yeah. my first year pro in the American Hockey League. Uh, and I think that was his first year as well. He had played junior hockey in Halifax, I think the year before or something. And uh, so we roomed together that year. Uh, Robbie ended up going to World Hockey. Yep. But when I had the offer from World Hockey, that was, they had only been in the league for a year then. And they offered me an awful lot of money, an awful lot more than Detroit offered me. But at the time, friends of mine had gone to World Hockey the first year, teams folded, and the NHL wouldn't take them back. They were sort of blackballed from hockey then. So I figure it's better off for me to have a half a loaf and guarantee money and NHL pension money than to yeah. take something that was promised but couldn't be delivered on, you know. And I think Bobby so Hall better. Bobby Hall kind of played in the world hockey right around the end of his career anyways with the Winnipeg yeah. Jets. So he already established himself. I believe he was the he was the first million dollar player in the in the world hockey, but he was he was at his and anyways, he played his years with the Blackhawks and and made it to the the World Hockey Association. But I think 
he was kind of at his end anyways. And I think he was the first million dollar player to get paid. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, he, you know, it's a little tougher for like yourself. You just mentioned, you know, where the world hockey kind of just kind of just get going and you're young and you've got a huge future ahead of you. The WHA wasn't, that had a lot of uncertainty in back in those days. So, Hey, and, and you're absolutely right. I've heard from a lot of people where they, um, you know, turned down NHL contracts and then the, the WHA folded and that's unfortunate, but, um, and then they, they turned back to the NHL managers and said, no, no, we don't want you. You had your chance and it's unfortunate, but Hey, you, you, you've got a, a good working career. You have a good working career after hockey. So, Hey, you did, you uh, chose the right path. So just tell me a little bit more about the, the Red Wings and the, uh, who who were the players that you played with during? Uh... Well, when, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, in seventy three, seventy four, um, that's when uh, that was my first year, and in training camp that year, Roy Edwards was the other goalie, and Roy was a real good goaltender, and he had been around for a lot of years, and Detroit and I were having, or I shouldn't say I, my my agent, were having uh, a lot of talks and disagreements about. They wanted to re-sign me to a long-term contract. And I was quite prepared to play for what they had offered me before. And then at the end of the year, I decided what I wanted to do. Anyway, uh, by the time the season started, Roy had quit after a couple of two or three games. And I was on what you call an American Hockey League contract then. And I think you had to play five, after five games, you had to have an NHL contract signed. So, there was a lot of negotiations going on all summer long. And uh, anyway, long story short, we were heading to the West Coast to play Anaheim, uh, or I guess uh, uh, L- uh, LA and Vancouver. So Roy was quit and I s- ended up signing the day we were leaving to go out West. And uh, I signed six year contract then, but Detroit, uh, was sort of in disarray then. I mean, they had Ned Harkness was coach and Teddy Garvin was, well, uh, sorry, Ned Harkness was general manager, Ted Garvin coach. But after 12 games, he got fired. Alex Ovecchio retired then and took over as coach. And uh, yeah. back in those days, there's only two divisions. And I think we lost out the playoffs by a couple of points or something. But uh, it was a, uh, it was an interesting times in Detroit, I must say. Who was the biggest name in the 70s that uh, kind of, didn't so much own the league, but had the biggest point total in, in the NHL in the, in the early 70s. Oh, my Lord. I mean, uh, Montreal Canadiens had a great team then. The Bruins had Orr, Esposito, Hodge, Cashman, uh, all down the line. Uh, the Rangers, I mean, back in those days, would have Kachuk and, uh, uh, of course, you had the Hall, Hall, uh, Dennis Halls, Makita, and all those guys were in... Uh, <laughs> Chicago, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know some some good players there. I must say, yeah. As a as a goalie, who is the most feared player? That like say you you saw a guy come down the left wing or the right wing or came down on a breakaway. Who would who, would, which guy, feared you the most? Like, was there any guy that that you were shaking in your pants when he came down on a breakaway? No, no, I, I can't say that I was. The, the, the best shooter that I've seen at the time, fortunately for me, was on my team, Mickey Redmond. <laughs> he had the best yeah. shot. 
Wow. Uh, Dennis Hall had a very heavy shot and a really hard shot, and so did Jacques Lemire in, in, in uh, Montreal. Those guys and, and Bill Goals really. I mean, he had a lot of guys who could shoot, mm. but uh, I guess with the gear we had on in those days, it didn't really matter who shot on you. You were to get, it was going to hit, hit you. I heard stories of guys now they're deceased, but I, when I was younger, there used to be a, a Zeller's tour. So Bobby Hall, Johnny Bauer. Uh, it, the name the names go on and on, but yeah, they, they Gump Worsley even said, uh, he's like, Man, like, I couldn't imagine if a Bobby Hall slap shot hit me in the face. Like, it just, I know if there's goalies that have had Bobby Hall slap shots in the face. And did you play it at, at all with no mask? I did, but not in pro, okay. But I guess you can't see close enough here, but I got hit with a slap shot here over the eye, and that. Eye is out bone, and it's never, never has never gone back. It was a slap shot oh. in the eye, wow. but after that, uh, my father, wiser than me, suggested that I won't be playing anymore in goal until they wore a mask. So, and I, I think, did. and I believe Jock Plant was the pioneer behind the face mask. And I, I don't know if you watched the the Terry Sawchuck movie. That guy took shots in the face more than he shot got shot in the pads. Like he took a lot of shots, and it's 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 unreal. Like the 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 chat with you today and and get get the lay of the land from the sixties and seventies and eighties, man. It's like wow. Like we, 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 I'm only used to watching like I started watching hockey in the nineties. You know when Felix Bot fan he had full gear and and a full oh, yeah. full. Now it's like. Guys can take bullets and they it won't harm them, right? But uh, well, that's the thing. When, wow. when I started with the, I'm in Detroit. We have one pair of pads, one pair of skates, one pair of gloves, felt arm pads, and felt chest pad. That was it, and a mask. And the mask that I wore when I turned pro was made for me by a guy named Gerald Goosney and Elias Wheeler in Cornerbrook. And Gerald was uh, worked in the lab at the gypsum plant. He made me a plaster of Paris mask. And only covered basically my face. I should have had it to show you, but I don't have it. Uh, anyway, uh, it only covered my face basically. And Ned Harkness in Detroit says, you, you can't play with that. And I said, well, I got to play with it. He said, well, when we go to Boston, Ernie Higgins is going to make you a mask. <laughs> so I said, fine. And when we got to Boston, uh, Higgins made me a mask. So he had a good mask. But I mean, from September, basically till April, May, whenever the season was over, I had bruises all over my body somewhere uh, from, from shots. Cause no matter where, even through your goalie pads, you get a bruise. Cause we had, and we had no stuff on the side. We had no knee pads. We had none of that stuff. We just actually, I, I got a grant my second, I have three grandsons. Uh, one is always oh, only five, but the, uh, the middle one is 10. Now he plays in goal here. And actually they had a thing on a hockey card there a while ago. And they showed him with his team with his gear on and he superimposed my uh, hockey card alongside of it. And his goalie pads, I'm sure, are as long as mine. He's only 10 years old. How, that's what it was then. How heavy was the pads? Like, I don't know. If, did you watch the Terry Sodcheck movie? I did. As a matter of fact. Uh, is, it, is it bang on? Was that movie bang on to how it actually was in the 50s? Like, Sodcheck started around the 50s. And I, I just actually watched the, the Rocket Richard movie last night and uh, yeah. the gear I, you well, I always thought Terry Sawchuk was the best goalie I always thought that and interestingly uh, 
Adrian and Jane Maggs and Randy Maggs. Ra Randy, uh, who did the poems, uh, poems on Tachuk. Uh, so him and my first cousin uh, are together and his daughters went to school with my boys. Mm -hmm. So I've, I know, I've known the Maggs way back, you know, basically in, uh, in, the, in the 70s. And, uh, you know, what happened with Sawchuck, I mean, he, I mean, those, the, the, the shots that those guys took and the, and the stitches that they got over their, over their careers were, was unbelievable, really. I mean, Glenn Hall's another one, you know, I mean, guy plays 502 games and, and doesn't miss a game, you know, with, with stitches and teeth knocked out and everything else, right? I mean, they were something right. else. My, uh, I'll give you a little story here. So when I played Adam, so like seven or eight, and they don't do it so much now, but uh, they had a room in the local arena here in HRM. And I played with like the DR pads, and there was a brown set of pads from like the 80s. Yes. And, and then there was a white DR pads. Like Grant Fuhrer wore the DR pads, and everyone was like, wow, I, I need DR pads because Grant Fuhrer's wearing DR pads. And um, so there's a pair of DR pads in the corner. The room doesn't exist now. It's like all top of the line gear now, and there's a room, and you got to, it's a whole process. You got to sign it out. But back in the day, you could just grab gear, you could grab pads. So um, I believe it was after a game and the coach is like, well, who's going to play Nets next game? And well, I guess it's my turn to play Nets. So I played, I said, fine, I'll play Nets. So Saturday morning, I put on these white DR pads and the blocker and the pads, the pads weighed a ton because they didn't absorb water that. Yeah. That well. And I'm going to ask you the question, that same question now in a second, but these pads were heavy and I couldn't go down. And if I got down on my knees, I wasn't getting back up. These pads were so heavy. And my grandfather was like, wow, Jamie, you play you. And I was chubby. And he's like, geez, <laughs> you play like Gump Worsley. And I, I got his book here and I'm read, I read the book and I was just like, <laughs> I called him the other day and I said, you're absolutely right. The book describes me. I don't have to have a book. I just, if you want to know how I played nets, read the Gump Worsley book. And I, yeah. that's, that's how I played. And, you know, it's a bit different now. Like, you know, if if, uh, if parents hear from their kids saying, Dad, I want to play Nets, it's so expensive. Gear is it's really expensive. But back in the day, you could go in the room, you could grab a stick, your Cooper stick, that weighed a ton, uh, the pads, the blocker, trapper, chest protector. And then you wore, yeah. you wore a Chris Osgood mask or you just kept the mask that you had on and, yeah. and you played like Chris Osgood, right? So um, I got to meet Gump Worsley. But never did get that interaction. Like I'm speaking to you right now. Yeah. Um, because, you know, whether they're signing or it was an event, you don't really get the chance to really sit down with a guy that played in the 50s and 60s. So having a conversation with you t today is a real treat because, you know, the guys that, I, that I've that i gotten to see, NHL alumni, they haven't really able to talk about the 50s and 60s and 70s. But... I can't imagine how it was for you guys back in those those days with the, how the gear was and you know just watching that Terry Sodchuk movie. Oh man, he he passed away when he was forty, and uh, still to this day, everyone hates Ron Stewart. If you see a Ron Stewart card in the showcase at a card store, nobody's buying it. Yeah. nobody's buying yeah. it for the sole reason yeah. that guy killed Terry Sodchuk. 
even though Terry came back back and said yeah. oh, it was an accident, I th- people still think Ron Stewart was an a hole. So if you see a Ron Stewart card, it's, yeah. it's probably there for it's probably sitting there because people hate him because he he uh, even though it was an accident, he was there when uh, Terry. Well, they had a fight, right? Yeah. yeah Ron Stewart got in a barbecue fight, and I it, it, so. It, but the pads that I wore are I were as heavy as anything, and I, I still yeah. have uh, one set. I had two set uh, a set that I, I that was in the I guess the Newfoundland Hockey Hall of Fame. My other ones I have here in, in the basement of my house, and the kids come by and look at them. They say, "You got to be kidding me!" I mean, they're <laughs> heavy as anything. And I think they, I think they were stuffed with horse hair or something. No, and pl- once I they got wet, they were wet. I was yeah, playing. And, with, I was playing with pads that were from the eighties. The, the Grant Fuhr. Yes. They were. They were Grant Fuhr, uh Dr. Pads. Like he was a guy that was stood behind Dr. And you know, if you guys eighties, yeah, that was modern. That's the modern day pads. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I tell you. I mean, seriously though. I mean, because you we you play you practice every game every day, and then you played. I mean, your pads they never they never dried out. I mean, they were wet all you know pretty much all winter. Yep. And it's bad enough carrying your butt, your own stuff around without having to carry another twenty or thirty pounds on your, you know, on your legs and, and try to move, you know. So it was a, uh, it was a bit different now. And I remember uh, my brother's son was playing goal in Cornerbrook, so he came in St. John's. And we went down to the sports uh, craft, look at a pair of pads, and he, he picked them up. And I said, they look awful light. And I, and I, I could just take them between my finger and my thumb and lift them. I said, I said, this is unbelievable, you know. No, technology has changed. But everything now, I mean, and yes, and the Kevlar, I mean, you know, with the for the chest and arm protectors, I mean, man, you can't get hurt. No, I've got a friend who's, his son's a goalie, and fortunately enough, he works at a sports store, so he, his son can maybe get a little bit of a deal on the pads, but he's a phenomenal goaltender. Yeah. And kids nowadays, they say, well, you know, they're not, if they're not, getting the ice time on D or forward, they, they look at Kerry Price and say, I want to be like Kerry Price. And uh, so after that, that yeah. one game of goalie, uh, like I just mentioned, my grandfather was like, well, do you play like Gump Worsley? And I was like, well, he seems pretty good. Good. He played with the Canadians and that bad, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I, yeah. I don't have a fear of flying as he did. He had a fear of flying. That's why back in those days, yeah. The, the Canadians had, I forget the other guy's name, but uh, Gump would stay home in Montreal when they went on the road. But that, that you know, that was the beauty of a train and you only had six teams. You, you didn't have yep. to go to, right now when uh, he went to Minnesota around, I think around the 70s. So did you get, to, did, yeah. I know Terry Sawchuk passed away when he was 40. Did you get to meet Terry or Gump Worsley or Johnny Bauer? Just like, do you have a, uh, a Gump? I play, I played against Gump. Uh, I, I guess, but Gump, uh, I met Gump down here in, in St. John's at uh, the Bob Cole golf tournaments because Molson used to sponsor those. Yeah. And Gump used to come in for those tournaments. You know, a lot of the old retirees. And I mean, like from Bernie Federko, who I play with in St. Louis, Derek Sanderson, who I play with, all those guys came in. You know, so uh, he wore, I, most, get, you know, I get to meet a lot of guys over. Derek Sanderson wore the most ugliest most jersey. Most, Derek Sanderson, I believe, went left the NHL and then went to the WHL. He went. There was the most ugliest. I believe it was a 
Philadelphia Blazers. Philadelphia. Yeah, the Philadelphia yeah. Blazers. They sent them down and said, you know what? Maybe we'll send you down to get your get your crap together. So yeah, it's, uh, I've read his book and it's he's quite the he was quite the player. Like you know, just the, what he got went through and now to see him and yeah, it's it's a different time. It's a different time for sure. Yeah, how I, hockey is now. I, I play with to, Derek and Sam Lewis actually. I was going to ask that too. So away from, so yeah. sorry to cut you off. So you played with the gum. Did you cross paths with Johnny? No, Beck? Oh, no I, I didn't play with the gum. I didn't play with gum. Oh, I met gum. You met gum. I played, played against those guys. Him and I think him and Man Diego were in, uh, in uh, uh, Minnesota at the time. But Sanderson uh, did come to St. Louis after he came back from world hockey. So I played with Derek for, for a while there. And he was quite a character. No question, you know, but, uh, and Eddie Johnson, uh, who played in Boston in the early years, Eddie, Eddie played in goal with me in St. Louis as well. And he went on of course to coach Pittsburgh and be general manager with the Penguins, you know, at the time. So, <laughs> and Jimmy Rutherford, you mentioned Jimmy earlier on, Jimmy and I were, we roomed together in Detroit back in uh, 73, 74 season. How was your time in, uh, St. Louis? I'm just scrolling down on your hockey db stats here i don't see a lot of big names in st louis i know there was part of, i believe they were part of the expansion in around uh 68 i believe it was when pittsburgh uh joined the league right around yeah. when tim horton played uh with the pittsburgh penguins how is just you only played 17 games in uh in uh st louis how is your stay in st louis I went to St. Louis in, I think it was March of 76. And uh, so 77, 78, I think I played 17 games, maybe. Yeah, and Bobby. And maybe Bobby, nine in the next year. Bobby McMillan was your leading scorer from Charlottetown PEI. Bobby Millen, yeah, Bobby Mack. Mm. Bobby, Chuck Leffley, and Sanderson played on the line together. But we also had coming up at the time was uh, Bernie Federko, Brian Sutter, Tony Curry from Sydney Mines. It was there. Joey Mullen came in in, uh, okay. in about 1980, 79-80. Well, he, he played in Salt Lake City when I was there. Uh, those guys came up then, and they were the young. So, and Bobby Hess, he was the first round pick. But back when I played, you had. Well, Red Barons and myself and Ace Bailey, we all went from, and Gary Younger, all went from Detroit to St. Louis. Uh, not at the same time, but, you know, over a period of a year or so. And then we had the Plagers, Barkley and Bobby Plager, you know, from the old guys, Jimmy Roberts, uh, Terry Harper played, uh, not Terry Harper, uh, Terry was in, St. in Detroit. And then we had uh, Teddy Irvin and, and Pierre Plant, and those guys came over from the Rangers. So it was a, it was a mixture of a, a lot of veterans and then three or four younger players, we'll say, right? I notice here, 1975-76, you played with the New Haven Nighthawks. Did you get to play? Yeah, so 75-76, you played 23 games in the American Hockey League with the New Haven Nighthawks. Yeah. That, that was a year. Let me just look at my, yep. That was the year that the Nova Scotia Voyagers, they won in 72, 73, 75, 76, 76, 77. Yeah. 
Did you get to play any games? Were you in Nets during any of the Voyager games? Absolutely. So I, yeah, we played. Uh, I remember playing them. So that would be 72, 73. Al McNeil was coaching then. They, that's when they had Wayne Thomas and Larry Robinson. Oh, the Vir- Vir- Virginia Red Wings. I Virginia just, Red- yeah, yeah. Yep. So you, so you would have played. So, so sorry. I just noticed the 72, 73 Virginia Red Wings. Yep. So let's go back to Virginia. So just tell me about your experience with them playing the Halifax 4 Hers. Well, actually, I used to love to play in Halifax. And, yep. I, and I think the stats will show somewhere. We played them uh, and beat them uh, 2-1 there one night. And uh, they had Bunny LaRock in goal and Wayne Thomas for them. Yep. And uh, and they had uh, Stefanu and Chuck Arneson and uh, what's uh, Lambert and they had a Noel. They, they had a, a, an unbelievable hockey team back in those days. And uh, in Virginia, we had uh, basically Robbie Fitorik, I guess, was. Uh, him and uh, Artie Stratton was an old veteran. So was uh, uh, Rick McCann. But most of our guys were young guys in, in Virginia that year. We had Doug Barkley as our coach, who had been a former Detroit player who lost his eye. But uh, we did pretty well against those guys that year. We had a decent year, actually. And uh, we ended up in the semifinals or in, uh, in the first round against Hershey and they had us three games to one. And then we went back to Hershey and played three games in Hershey. Anyway, we ended up beating them in seven games. Okay. And then we had to go out and play against Cincinnati. Cincinnati had the best team that I've ever seen outside national hockey back then. And uh, they beat us in six. We, we, we actually had them two games apiece. And unfortunately for me, uh, my wife's father and my grandmother died the same day. So I had to come back to Newfoundland. Oh, wow. Uh, the funerals went back uh, for game five. We lost game five uh, and game six and were, and were knocked out. But they played against uh, uh, Nova Scotia in the final and they beat Nova Scotia four straight that year. And Nova Scotia had a good team. Well, I, believe had, yeah. I believe they had Larry Robinson. and. Yep. Well, Larry Robinson went up halfway through the year. Him and Wayne Thomas got called up. But they were there to start the year, and they had all these other names were there. Like you said, Lambert, Stefanu, uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck Arneson. I mean, they had a lot of a lot of good hockey players there then, right? It was a pretty good league back then. But see, there was only two divisions of the National Hockey League then, too. Yeah. How was the atmosphere at the Hall of at the Halifax Forum? I, I have a friend who uh, we talk about this every day, He or every time we get to talk well what's about once a week and there's always about an hour's worth of forager talk and he remembers being in that in that rink and how was the atmosphere like he said at one point there was seven thousand people in that arena and i've i've been been in that rink uh, a couple years ago the mooseheads uh the quebec major junior hockey team played against the schwinnigan cataract in a playoff game um and they had about six maybe five or six thousand people and oh, uh, yes. I, I've been in that rink when it's been too close to full capacity. And uh, my friend always says he's man, like I was a young kid and there was nowhere to sit. You know, the, the usher would come around and say, you had to sit in your chair. There wasn't people sitting in the chairs. They were sitting on the, the con- any piece of concrete, any piece yeah, of it was there. Yeah. seating that they could find to sit. 
They were they were finding holes in the arena. They were trying to find their way into the rink to get past security. That place, he he, to this day, he's there must have been seven thousand people in that rink when they won the the Calder Cup in seventy two seventy three and. They won it again 75-76. Not a lot of big names um, on that 75-76 team. Uh, I believe Pierre Mondu was the Borges. Pierre Mondu. He was he was rookie of the year that year, and he they won. And unfortunately, after uh, the the 80s, the Voyagers had folded. But just tell me more about your experience in playing in the form with with a huge number. Huge well. Number. Actually, the year before, uh, when I was playing with Memorial University, we played uh, uh, St. Mary's. Mary's there. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, too. Uh, and uh, they beat us 4-3 that game and went on to the, uh, to the final. Of course, they had, a, they had a top team. They had Richie Bays, a couple of guys from the Canada's national team. They had Chuck Goddard in goal. Bob Boucher was coaching them. Yeah. And they beat us 4-3 that night. And that was my first time in the forum. But I loved the atmosphere there. And when we went back to play against Voyageurs, I mean, that's the kind of rinks that I, like, I love to play in because when the fans are there and they're noisy and they're on you, it, it's, I, I prefer that to play at home. <clears throat> and, and we'll get into a bit, a bit of senior hockey talk soon. And yep. Because we'll, I got the, the privilege to be in the Gandron Gardens when I was about 11 or 12, and now it's a, a furniture uh, outfit in Gander. But just continuing with your AHL and NHL, like when did you – like you played with Salt Lake Golden Eagles in the 81-82 season, and yep. the 79-80 season you played one game with the Blues. When did – like you're already about 10 years into your pro career. When did you kind of – see it kind of winding down and really had, well, had, to, had to say, Hey, I need to really now focus on work. And well, when they, they brought uh, Mike Leute into uh, St. Louis, they sent myself and Billy Fairburn down to Salt Lake city. I'm thinking that was 79. And then, uh, yeah, we, yep. yeah, uh, 79, 80. So we won the championship in, in uh, Salt Lake city that year. Yeah, and I was the MVP in the playoffs. So at the end of the year, I went to see Emil Francis and I said, Mr. Francis, I think it's a good time for me to pack it in, you know? And uh, I said, I'm not going back up to the national league. I got a young family. I want to go back and you know, start another phase of my life. So he said, well, would you like to come back? He said, I'll sign you for two more years. You come back, play a few games, uh, be assistant coach, you help the goaltender do some scouting. And if we need you, you'll play. So I said, sure. That's, you know, and it was a, a pretty decent offer. So I said, sure, I'll take that. So I did. I did two years there. Red Berenson was coaching in uh, St. Louis at the time. And uh, Red and I had been good friends in Detroit. He, him and his wife, Joy, really took Roz and I under our wings when we moved to Detroit in 73. And of course he went to St. Louis. I went to St. Louis. So, uh, he said to me in, in training camp that year, he said, now he said, if anything happens, we need a guy to come up for a day or two or, or a couple of weeks. He said, I'll call you up. I said, well, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Jack's assistant. He said, yeah, well, that's, that's fine. You come on up and, you know, you can fill in because uh, you're in, you're in pretty good shape, which I always maintain my conditioning. 
So anyway, what happened was they got, I, uh, one of the boys uh, broke your finger, I think it was, and I had to go up for a while. So anyway, we were playing a game in Washington. I think that's what it was on a Sunday afternoon, maybe. And uh, Mike Liu was in goal. And uh, anyway, Mike was having a rough night, as everybody has in national hockey. I don't care who you are. Every goalie's had him. Uh, so they, I went in and finished the game. And I think I might have given up a goal the last half of the game or something, whatever the deal was. So that was my one game for that year. And then uh, at the end of that, I, so after, after that two years, uh, I said, well, that's fine. I'm nine years in now. It's time for me to go. But uh, anyway, uh, Emil offered me a, a deal that I said I could not afford to let it pass. Uh, I guess the way it was back then, you know, it's, it's all business. It's a business. So he wanted me to come back. Uh, and he said, if you come back for one more year, I'll make you head coach in Salt Lake City assistant coach to red in St. Louis, or I'll make you head of scouting for Eastern Canada. Well, that's, that's, that's not a bad deal. So I came back for the year. Unfortunately, I'm red and I were close. Uh, and you know, Emil was real close with Jack Evans, who they had played together and Jack was our head coach. Anyway, I think it was in March month that uh, we were in Dallas and I remember Jack Evans coming downstairs and said, uh, just talked to Emil. Red's been fired. And I called my wife and said, I guess we're done with hockey next year. She said, why? I said, well, Red is gone. Because I think, like, I was close with Red, and Red could count on me to uh, tell him not what he wanted to hear, but what he needed to hear, you know, as opposed to that. So when Red was gone, I was gone. So at the end of the year, uh, Emil said, he said, Doug, he said, we have nothing for you next year. And I said, that's fine. I understand. You know, it's business, right? No, it absolutely oh, is. Yeah. It happens yeah. in the workplace all the time when yeah. you. Well, I had 10 great, you know, I had 10 good years. I, I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the hockey. And back when I started playing hockey, you know, when I turned pro, we definitely never turned pro for the money. We've turned pro because we love to play. I mean, the money they're getting now is unbelievable. But I mean, back in those days, I mean, you know, crazy amount of money. You never, you guys had to work in the summertime. But it, it, you're playing, especially in the minors. You need, you needed to work in the summer, uh, you know, to, to, to get you through financially. Nope. And that's the way it was then. You you're, abso you're absolutely right. Even like yeah. I just mentioned, I watched the. I know it's a different time now from the 40s but you know like maurice for sure and them had to work steel plant until they became big and yeah it, it you're absolutely right it's a, it's a business i as you were just talking there i'm just going down your stats and i came across rick bonus i know it was a short time you guys played together but just give me a good a feel good story about rick bonus and you 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 must be happy for him now uh coaching the dallas stars and finally getting that full-time position where he was an assistant coach forever. But now uh, given that uh, full-time position as head coach, how is Rick bonus? Uh, he's a huge name here in Halifax. Uh, just give me a feel good story about Rick bonus. Rick bonus, Rick bonus. I can tell you right now is one of the all time great guys. Mm. We played together. I mean, in Detroit, St. Louis, and I guess it was uh, Salt Lake city. We won the championship in Salt Lake city. We played together. And uh, 
Rick was a really good guy and a good player, and he was a real good team guy. And he was tough too. And he could, uh, he, you know, he could, he could play all facets of the game. But uh, I am really thrilled from now. The last time I saw Rick was three years ago in Tampa, because Roz and I spent the winters in Florida, or he did up till this past mm-hmm. March. And uh, of course, he was in Tampa for five years. And now he's gone with Jimmy Nill, who's another old teammate of mine, and uh, in Dallas. And last year in the finals, I mean, I, I stayed up must every minute of that, hoping that they were going to win the Stanley Cup, because he's been around long enough, and he deserves it. Because everybody likes Rick Bonus. Anybody who doesn't like Rick Bonus got something wrong with him, I think. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. No, he's he's he he was on a interview there a couple of weeks about a month ago or so now, and he was kind of it was kind of odd because he he vacations um, here in Halifax when um, well obviously with the NHL how it is in the last year because of COVID he's now in Halifax around he was in Halifax around November so he's like well this is odd. Yes. This is odd. Yeah. Like I'm in Halifax during November. Like I should yeah. be. You should be in the NHL still in November. Yeah. And, yeah. and and then you go to you go to. But he vacations here in the summer. Uh, Grand, yeah, he's got a home there. He has. He has yeah, a, it's on. Uh, I believe it's on Grand Lake, right next to uh, Crosby and McKinnon. Yeah, of course. That's McKin- right. McKinnon. Of course, McKinnon had to move right next to Cindy Crosby on Grand Grand Lake. I'm pretty sure my facts are straight, but. Uh, yeah. Bonus bonus did say um, it's just weird. Like I'm, I'm home in November. I'm usually here in yeah. the summer. And but man, what a great story! And it's it's great to see. Like I'm I'm looking down through all these names. Like we could go on forever talking about this guy and that guy. Like one guy that sticks out here, it's where it's on the same page is Joe Micheletti, who is who is a broadcaster uh, in the state. So it's great to see guys are still sticking with the yeah. game and finding positions because it's, it's unfortunate for a lot of other players. They, you know, if they'd ever had an education they're you know, they're in sales or they're carpenters or they're, yep. you know, like I've, I've talked to Billy Smith quite a few times. I work with a, uh, excuse me. I work with a charity that he's part of and he's selling like different building materials. So people, people are doing what they can and i know covid has kind of dampened a lot of people's situations but if you can give back to the game that's that's great and you know you you found a great career after hockey and just moving away from the american league and the nhl for a little bit what's your take on the state of hockey in newfoundland i know the east coast hockey league right now is on pause uh the newfoundland well would have been the saint john's Ice Caps, who were the the farm team for the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, they folded. Um, but now they're called the Newfoundland Growlers in the East Coast Hockey League. And who knows when the East Coast is going to start back up? But just give me your <coughs> state of hockey in Newfoundland. I know the Senior League is strong in in the Avalon area. Um, I solely look at like the the central part of Newfoundland where Gander's kind of hurting and Grand Falls has always been strong, but they're kind of like all by themselves in the corner and nobody really wants to travel from the Avalon into Grand Falls. So just give me your take on senior hockey and, and Newfoundland. Where, where do you see it in the next couple of years to five years or so? Well, the game, I think the whole game of, 
of the way people look at hockey has changed. When I played for Cornerbrook Rawls in the 60s, I worked at a mill in Cornerbrook. Uh, guys in Buckins were all imports. They were brought, all brought in. Most of the guys in uh, Grand Falls were locals. They had, a, you know, like Nick McCoskey, Ron Farnfield, John G. Morissette, those guys brought in. Uh, Gander, same thing. They had, uh, you know, Allard and uh, Lyle Carter and uh, J.C. Garneau and those guys. And then CB's the same way. Well, they had George Faulkner and Jack Faulkner and Alec and, you know, all those guys. And they had uh, uh, Gary Simmons in goal. So back in those days, most of the guys played for fun. And in my case in Cornerbrook, uh, if you were working at the mill and you were had a shift and you had a game that night, well, they, the company would pay your shift off. Oh, and, wow. yeah, and, and that was the way it was. And I think all, all the places had that, had that then. But after I came back in the 80s, they were offering money like you wouldn't believe. Like I was actually offered by two teams uh, in, in, the, in the Newfoundland Senior Hockey League more money than I made in my last three years pro. Wow. I mean, I could, I, I, when they offered me, I said, you got to be kidding me. And, and, and they said, no, we can do that. And the last offer I got uh, worked out to be, after, if, let me put it this way, uh, would have been more money than I made in the National Hockey League one year, or two years, even. And that's what they're paying money. So they, that couldn't be sustained. And then the league broke up, you know, it sort of, it sort of, and then they brought all these other teams in and you had teams from here and, uh, but everybody was getting paid money and it's, it's all about the money now. And very few guys will pay unless they're getting paid. And I think that's what killed the league eventually, you know? Well, you had, I'll give you an example and people listening. I hope they know who Terry Ryan is and uh, he played, played for the Montreal Canadiens in the mid nineties, he played eight, although he only played eight games, he's a huge name in St. John's good friend yep. of mine. And anyway, so he had a friend, uh, this is just an example. I don't know the exact dollar amount, but he had a friend named Aaron Asham, who some people may know played at the island. Oh yeah. Oh, big, yes. Big, he played with the Islanders. Yeah. Big fighter. So he, he comes, he comes along or comes aboard the, the Gander Flyers located in the central part of Newfoundland. And as of right now, the Flyers and the Grand Fall Cataracts, uh, who won the Herder a couple of years ago, they're the, they're the biggest juggernaut, I believe, in, in that league. And I hope it does start, but who knows? So um, at the time, I knew that the general manager of the, a couple of years ago, I knew the general manager of the Gander Flyers. He's now since moved on, but he kind of gave me the rundown on uh, pay and stuff like that so they were paying and i got to talk to aaron a little bit through a charity event and he kind of said yeah like they were paying me x amount of dollars he lives in and he lives in long island new york right now working with the new york islanders so they were he said yeah they were paying me they were paying my flight paying my hotel paying for my food Right, even though they yep. they put they put them up in the Albatross and Gander, you know, not the yeah. most not the most swankiest place to stay, but hey, yeah. it's the Albatross. You know, they're the Albatross. Uh, yeah. Yes, and, yeah. So, anyways, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, not the most swankiest place in the world, but hey, it's it's Gander, Newfoundland. What do you expect? 
And so they were paying me to travel from Long Island, New York, to come into to come into St. John's. And then there was a bus that would travel from St. John's to Gander, which is probably good. Now with the, I know it's about two and a half hours because the roads are a bit different, but it was yeah. a good, good three, four hour trek from St. John's into Gander. And then they put you up in the Albatross and you're absolutely right. The paying the players, paying the imports, Grand Falls was getting, you know, there was guys here that I played with that, you know, like Cam Fergus, uh, top high-end player with St. Mary's, led the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in scoring, and the Cataracts are a successful team. Players are going to go where the, the teams are most successful. Whether yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, watched, I've watched tape in the last number of years, and, you know, when Buckins came in, I remember my uncle, who's now passed, was saying he, people would take out second mortgages to pay to make sure that Buckins had enough money to have a senior team. Now, New, now Gander did end up beating them in the, the mid nineties, and Gander hasn't seen a, a herder cup since you know sixty nine when uh, Ed Philpot. And I'm, don't forget that. Don't forget. I'm going to ask about Ed Philpot in one second, but Ed Philpot was a strong part of that team, and now it's it's uncertain whether the the senior league is actually actually going to come back. Um, maybe they'll just have to keep the players within Newfoundland on the teams, and it, it's unfortunate because I str- strongly believe nobody wants to travel from St. John's in the Gander or Grand Falls. You know, so it's. There's a lot of uncertainty in the central area. Now I know it can yeah. work. I know it can work in the St. John's area because they got there's, there's more teams. You've got Clarenville. Clarenville was part of the central division, but now yeah. now Clarenville's part of the Corner Brooks. And I've talked to Darren Langdon and him playing with Deer Lake and all those teams. And um, Porter Basque used to have a team, but you know that's that's a lot of travel for a lot of teams and. I strongly believe, like, you know, it can work in the Avalon Peninsula, but then some. But then there was a write-up saying, you know, you can't have a Herder Cup unless all divisions take place. So where yeah. does so where does that leave Grand Falls? You can't just say, okay, it's it's fine. I'm I'd be okay if Gander folded, because the, the games I've gone to, six people show up. Nobody cares yeah. about nobody cares about Gander Flyer hockey now in Gander. No, it's unfortunate. No. I have a, I still have a connection to Gander. My grandparents are still there. So, you know, I, I, I still, they still have a special place in my heart, but I wouldn't be disappointed if the Gander Flyers fold it because nobody shows up, but they, they feel, I've been to the Joe Byrne in Grand Falls and they fill, and they fill that place. Like they filled it, the forum back in the seventies and, and the sixties, they, they fill it each and every night. The, the cataracts play. And well, I when I yes, that's true. When I played senior hockey in the '60s, uh, Cornerbrook, you could not get a seat. You could no. not get a. You had to get seats on Tuesday. You had you yeah. had to be a. They don't call them season ticket holders. They call them. Uh, there's a name for it. There's a, whatever the name of it they they call it. But you had yeah. to go in. Same in Gander. You got to go in. It's a little bit easier now because they don't fill the place. But I've gone to cataracts games, and my grandfather's like, "Well, Jamie, you you've got to buy your tickets on Tuesday. If you don't buy your tickets by Wednesday or Thursday, you ain't getting a seat." 
Well, I can tell you that's true. And uh, Harbor Grace, when they had Faulkner's yep. were there, yep. Gander, uh, Grand Falls, and St. John's. And I remember playing St. John's in the playoffs one year. And we were staying at the old Newfoundland Hotel then. <laughs> and walking down Kingsbridge Road, and I saw all these people line up the road. I said, what's going on here? Hmm. And they said, we're trying to get tickets uh, for tomorrow night's game. You probably thought Elvis was in town or something. Yes, I could, yeah. But in 68-69, uh, Gander Flyers won, won the uh, Herder. Yeah. They picked me up for the Allen Cup. So <laughs> I, went, I went up to Gander for three or four weeks. So back then, I was oh, working wow. in the mill. So I got time off. Uh, but uh, all that uh, I asked Gander for, I, didn't, I said, just pay my, uh, my, my wages. I don't want any extra money. You know, I mean, it's just honor to quote play via. So we ended up going up to uh, Galt that year. We lost it to Galt. But uh, that's when they had, uh, they had Harry Katvernock, J.C. Garneau, uh, obviously uh, Jacques Allard, and they had Bill Lastic who was playing defense. He was a big, tough boy at the time. And Brian Rayfuse was their goalie then, right? Mm-hmm. And you had Eddie Philpott and Mike Anderson and Denny Mullins and Pat Penny and you know they, these were the local guys, right? Yeah. Was was Ed Felpot on the same level as Alex Faulkner when Alex played in senior, in the senior league? Were they kind of like I when you talk to someone in Halifax or outside of Newfoundland and you and you talk about hockey? Oh, I know Alex Faulkner. How big was that? How big was Alex Faulkner in Newfoundland? Because like I just mentioned to you earlier, like. People forget about the Doug Grants, the Ed Philpotts, and the list goes on. Hill Drukens, Jason Kings, all those players that, you know, played in the 90s, played through Q, right? And I, I, talked, yeah. to a, I talked to a friend the other day. He's a huge Vancouver Canucks fan. And he asked me, he goes, isn't Jason King from Newfoundland? I was like, yeah, Jason King was a very good player. Played the he's from Brook. Yeah, and he's Same from, he's from yeah. Newfoundland. You're yeah. – you, you cover the Vancouver Canucks and you don't know anything about where Jason King came from. Yeah. And it, because they all turned to Alex Faulkner. So how, how big was Alex Faulkner? And yes, he played in the, played with the Detroit Red Wings. And well, Alex, I mean, Alex Faulkner was the only Newfoundlander who played in the national hockey league when it was six, when it was six teams, okay. the original six. So, I don't know how you compare guys to whoever, but he's the only guy from Newfoundland that ever played in the National Hockey League when it was six teams. Okay. So, so, I guess he, it, so I guess it was a little bit harder to make, obviously harder to make the NHL with six teams compared well, it was to... Well, wasn't and I mean, yeah. sure, I, I say nobody was even looking at Newfoundland. I mean, if Joe Byrne had to come in to <laughs> uh, look after hockey in Grand Falls, you may never have seen these guys, right? Yeah. And then George Faulkner went up and played with Shoe and Falls, you know. Uh, all I'm sure it's through, uh, through uh, Joe Byrne. But uh, like in the, in, uh, when after Alex went to the National Hockey League, the second guy to go to the National Hockey League was also from Cornerbrook, was Joe Lundergan. So Joe and I grew up together. We played hockey together all, all the way up through. Uh, and then I was, I guess, the third guy to go. But I remember in the 70s, I mean, you had all these guys come out of Grand Falls. I mean, you had your, you had Terry Ryan, senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Donnie House, who played with the Voyagers when they won their championships uh, and then played some games in L.A. 
you had Tony White, who ended up going to Washington and scored 25 goals, I believe, as, you know, one year in Washington. I mean, they had Terry French, who was a, probably an unbelievable talent, who didn't go, but he, he was... He's a played rookie of the year in 68, 69, I believe. But he was, I mean, he played with him and Robinson played together. I mean, you know, in, in junior hockey, but anyway, he took a different path. And, uh, but you, you know, I mean, Grand Falls had some real good hockey players back in the day, you know, uh, in the seventies, I always did have them. And I think it was probably the result of Joel Byrne coming into uh, the run the program for him, you know, well, you know, you t- but, but back then, I mean, when you look at it, uh, you had f- uh, five guys that played in Newfoundland Senior Hockey League that ended up playing goal in the National Hockey League. I mean, you know, you had uh, uh, Andy Brown, and then you had uh, Morissette, uh, Lyle Carter, uh, Gary Simmons, and myself. So, I mean, you know, it was a, a decent caliber of hockey back then. You know, and, and you had Nick McCoskey coaching Grand Falls, former NHLer. You had Fleming McCall in in uh, in, uh, in St. John's. You know, I mean, there were some good good hockey players around then. Now, and it seems like the CBs back in the '60s were the were the team to beat. Like you just look down the list, and it's all those names that you just mentioned. You know, Alex Fox, yep. CB '68, '69, and yep. you're you're absolutely right. Like, you know, the Herder Trophy was. I think it came around the 1930s and yeah, over, first, over, I think 1935 was the first year. Yeah, it, it won that. It's and it's the uh, sorry, it's the Stanley Cup of the NH. It's the Stanley Cup of Newfoundland. If, yeah. if you draw, look at if you look in the 60s, you had CBs one year, Cormac Rawls the next, CBs Royals. That's the way it was for you know six or eight years, right? It was a real real rivalry, and then George Faulkner uh, left the CBs and came to Cornerbrook to play with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, where do you where do you see the, the league in five five years or so? Like, do you do you kind of see it deteriorate or the Newfoundland Senior League? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you got there's nobody besides St. John's. There's no centers really that are growing, right? I mean, St. St. John's is where everybody is now. I mean, you probably get sixty percent of the population on the Avalon. And, uh, you know, for those other centers to keep up, you got a lot of, even the young guys coming up. I mean, like, uh, for example, like in minor hockey now, uh, my oldest grandson played last year with uh, the St. John's Hitmen. They also had a team at Tricom, which is also here, CBS, you know, outlying areas. Then you had a team in Tri-Pen, which is the Bay Roberts area, where Dawson Mercer's from. Right. Then you had the Central Ice Pack, you know, which is, you know, the whole Falls, uh, Twilling Gate, Lewisport area. Yeah. And then you had Western, which was, you know, the whole region of the West Coast. So, yeah. you know, I mean, like last year, I don't think they had an awful lot of guys that were trying out for maybe Central and West. And West. Well, there's the Independent League too, and we, we won't really get into the the senior intermediate there is a there is a senior intermediate league which ganders may may start playing if the, if, yeah. the league, if the league goes the way it's going you might see a lot of guys you know playing that senior intermediate league that you know yeah. right now it's between well they had to stop last year because of covid but i guess i think it's up twillingate versus lower sport in the final 
And, yeah. you know, it's less competitive and guys don't want to get banged up now because they're not getting paid. And, you know, they got to work the next day. So you, you'll see a lot of guys now enter the, the senior intermediate league. It's just, you know, non-checking. It's, you know, it's not as rough as yeah and skillful as the, the senior league. But, I you know, I strongly believe it, it'll stay alive in the Avalon area. But then, you know, where do you put the Grand Falls Windsor Cataracts? They do have a team in the um, in the senior intermediate league, and they also have a senior team. But people in Grand Falls want to see competitive hockey. So how do you find a happy medium? How do you find a happy medium? Because in order to have a Herder Cup, you need to have every team in Newfoundland take part in in the in the playoffs for that Herder Cup. So that's right. I'm fine. Like I just mentioned, I'm fine with Gander, you know, dropping out, maybe entering the intermediate league and playing against Twillingate, Lewisport and those teams. And there's a team over in um, Porter Bass now that's got it. So there's, there's a lot of intermediate teams, but where do you, where do you, where do you put Grand Falls? Like, where do you kind of see the senior league going? Because teams are going to have to travel from St. John's Grand Cornerbrook to play the Grand Falls Cataracts. Like, what do you see happening? And what do you see happening in this situation years from now? Well, the last several years, uh, I mean, even when Clarenville had a team in, most of the guys were coming in from St. John's. And uh, guys from St. John's were playing in Grand Falls. Mm -hmm. Guys from St. John's were playing in Corner Brook. I mean, I remember uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, actually, whose Mm -hmm. son plays now against my grandson. And he had played hockey with the Royals. Yep. back in the day and he said well he said you know during the week we'd have nobody to practice because mm-hmm. most of the guys were working, out of town working. they'd come in on friday for a game on the weekend or something yeah and you know most of the players unfortunately i mean i guess in one way it's unfortunate for the rest of the island that there aren't enough guys around to be competitive we'll yeah. say and a lot of the guys are coming from st john's you know i'm not sure if you heard heard the name mike dyke i i have ever Mike Dyke, yes. I, I have I have a connection. My aunt is Mike Dyke's godmother. Well, he's from he's from so, Central. Yeah, so he yes. my my aunt who is a who is a, who is a Roberts now. The Roberts is a big name in Newfoundland. Yep. Yeah, so Mike Dyke's godmother is my aunt. So I have a connection with Mike Dyke, and I've talked to him, and he says like, man, I've I've got to work in St. John's. If, players aren't getting paid they got to find a place in newfoundland to work you know i got a friend in, in gander who's selling used cars over at kelly ford right so guys yeah. guys guys gotta work and you know back in the day when you were getting paid and you know i got a friend here in halifax who was getting you know played uh, four years over the denver university in denver colorado and you know uh the, the goalie coach and Moncton Wildcats right now is getting paid by the Flyers and he was getting sent down. Like it's, it's a sign of the times where, you know, players aren't getting paid. Mike Dyke doesn't want to leave St. John's to come play in Gander. No, but it's the the league is in a, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but you got to feel bad for grand falls. Like they want to hurt her cup. The Clarenville caribou's since 2013 have been in the Herder final, I think three or four times. They're an elite pl- team. The, the Cornerbrook Royals, the Grand Falls Cataracts have been in the, the final the last in the last five years, three or four times. Yeah. 
and this and also the Seabees. And then now you got the St. John's Senior Caps where um, Terry Ryan played, and and then uh, and then even last year the South Shore Breakers were right there in the final. But yep. uh, in 2019, Grand Falls beat the South Shore Breakers. So we could go on forever regards to like what happens to the senior league. But as of right now, in order to have a Herder Cup, you need to have every team partake in the tournament or you do. Or, or the playoffs. And who who wants to go to Grand Falls is kind of what is now being said. Like it, it's unfortunate, you know. Will we ever see a great uh you know, in, in the nineties, uh, Flyers, that was their last chance. Flat Rock had a team. And like I said, it was, it was crazy times because every fan would take out mortgages, second mortgages for their local team to be able to play. And, and you won't see that nowadays. So well, they had uh, back then, I mean, they had teams playing La Cie, yeah. for example, senior yeah. hockey. Yeah. And I know, I know friends of mine who are from there, and they were paying out a lot of money to bring guys in. Yeah. You know, 1994, 1994, Lacie Jets beat the South Shore yep. Breakers. Yep. yep. And they, uh, those guys were putting out lots of money to bring these guys into play. I mean, Juan Strickland, I think from Port of Bass, was out playing in those days. And they had, I mean, you know, like you said, the local guys were putting out a lot of money to bring in players to play. But uh, now it seems like most of the, every, there's no more, no more guys coming from the mainland anymore. I mean, there's a lot of just because they're but, not getting paid. They're just exactly, you're, you're not yeah. paying. A, there was a dollar amount that was brought up at two thousand dollars for a weekend. Hey, we're going to give you two thousand dollars to fly into St. John's. You can play hockey, free hotel, free yeah. free food. Here's two thousand dollars. Well, you know the Flyers can't afford that. No. Do you, do you think do you think Aaron Ashram came in for the weekend for two thousand? I I've heard I've heard the dollar amount. I you're pretty you're pretty you're pretty close to that number. I yeah. I heard I I've heard from other people that that was not. I'm ninety eight percent sure. Right around it wasn't less than two thousand. It was right. Oh, it definitely wasn't less. No. No, it was no. right around that two thousand dollar mark that. He got paid, and I have friends like I just said, we, and we could go on forever on like how the league was, and it's unfortunate because yeah. I know Alex would have a an opinion on this, but it's really too bad because the way hockey is in Grand Falls, like I still have a huge connection with Grand Falls. It's only about an hour away from Gander, and it's a real sin not to be able to see hockey in Central Newfoundland, like. Yeah, it's great. The Twilling Gate Combines are doing great, and yeah, they got their new their money now to build that rink and the, the George and a really good story. But a lot of people also want to see competitive hockey, and you know, um, moving away from ho- senior hockey and just well, we'll talk about Dawson Mercer and. Uh, Alex Norhook playing for Team Canada. How is uh, how is the atmosphere in Newfoundland right now uh, over the fact? Look what Dawson Mercer and uh, Alex Norhook are doing in the in the World Juniors. Well, as you know, the Newfoundlanders are very proud of their boys. And I mean, last night <laughs> I mean, we were we hardly even sat down, and and Newhook had a goal score. I mean, fifty nine seconds in. They didn't even know it went I mean, in. Could, you couldn't to... ask for any better than that. 
they had to do a replay. I know. <laughs> it, he, it was, it was like it, low... it was like he was a caged tiger. He was hurt. He probably yep. play a game or two. Yep. And he was like a caged tiger, and he was let out of the cage. And once Tournier let him on the ice for the first time, first minute, bang. He was Canada's, like he, you know, obviously all the, the spotlight is on Cousins at the moment, but he was banging and crashing, taking hits, scoring goals, and man. Yeah. Well, you know, they set the tone for that game last night. I mean, they, you, when you go out, you score a goal first minute of the game and your team was buzzing. And then they just kept on going and they were relentless. I mean, the Russians could not keep up the pace. The pace was so fast last night by Canada. And the boys were doing only 35 seconds, 30, 35 second shifts and getting off. And they go, you know, go crazy for 30, for half a minute and then just get off and go back to it again. And man, they played some game. And, uh, you know, and now that Dawson's just signed himself a contract too with, with the New Jersey, he got a three-year uh, deal for himself. So, you know, that's great for him. And I'm sure that Alex Newell will be signing one in the next, you know, maybe next year. I, I guess he's he's committed to school this year. But, uh, you know, next year, I guess you'll have uh, him and McKinnon down the middle. I mean, not a, not a bad couple of centers, you know, to go on your team. I, I think I'll be, yeah. a, I think I'm going to be a Colorado Avalanche fan now because as, yeah. as we're recording this episode, I'm in the Cole Harbor area and it's home of uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. So I should be cheering for Colorado yeah. next year, but. It's great to see because you have young kids. I've got friends in St. John's and their kids are just like, wow, like Alex Newhook, because they never yep. they never got to see Hill Druken, Jason King. You know, I know a lot of kids go to um the oh I'm drawing a blank. The the player that played for the Detroit Red Wings, um Danny Cleary. A lot of kids Danny go, is. Yep. So a lot of kids are going to his school and you know, it's, it's great to see. It's, it's great to see. Yep. And like, I think, uh, was it, was it last night or tonight was the 30th anniversary of John Slaney's game winning goal for the gold medal. I'm not sure it was last night or tonight, but if it's tonight, who knows? <laughs> you know, <coughs> I think I lost your picture somehow. I can hear you, but I, I don't see you now. Oh, you're back. Okay. But, uh, I mean, that's another guy, Slaney. I mean, all those guys, Dwayne Norris. I mean, you know, a lot of good talent has, has come out of this island, you know. But, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, sorry, talk about hockey, I mean, and you're talking about, you know, stories and good time stories and everything else, and you mentioned Rick Bonus. So when, I, when Rick was coaching in Ottawa, I got a call one day at Molson and invited me up to his hockey tournament. Cause he always had the big, a uh, big, uh, uh, charity tournament in the summertime. So Rick invited me up for that. They had Nobby Lambert playing. I'm sure you're familiar with Nobby Lambert or I assume you are. He's some, he's some Newfoundland and he's. No, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, maybe I no? should. Maybe I should. Well, well you, you may know him as Bob Lambert. He used to play at the split crawl for years, play, played and sing there, but he was a pretty tough boy when he played hockey in St. John's with the caps. Anyway, he was, he was the entertainer that night. And so Rick invited me up to that and we had a, had a great, a great bit of fun. And, uh, but you, you, you tell it a good time story and, and that's the way guys are. I mean, even though we haven't seen them in years now, I look back now and I say, okay, so Rick is coaching, uh, Jimmy Nill, 
his general manager, Paul McLean, another old teammate, right? He's back in the game again now. Elaine Vignon and uh, Claude Julian and uh, and uh, Jimmy Rutherford. So I played hockey with all those guys over the years and they've all done quite well. And, you know, the only my, my one big hope I have left is that for, for Bones to win the uh, win the Stanley Cup in Dallas. Yeah, if if I'm I'm lost for words. I'm a huge Rick Bonus fan, and now yeah. now seeing him at the head coaching position with the Dallas Stars, everyone here in Halifax, at least I am, is rooting for for uh, Rick Bonus. It couldn't have hap- can't happen to a better person. It's if you know. Oh, absolutely right. Yeah, and it, you know, it would sting. It would definitely sting when his career finally comes to an end and he doesn't have that cup. But hey, there's been players down the line that you know, Jerome McGinley, you know, who haven't won a cup. There's amazing players in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Is Rick Bonus the Hockey Hall of Famer? Of course, hundred percent. Right? Just because you don't well, win a Stanley Cup doesn't mean you can't go into the Hall of Fame. It's not a well, I think kind of pre-exquisite. Right. No. It's a it's it's who you are, how you how you uh were in the game and like you just said, Rick Bonus is an amazing individual and deserves a Hall of Fame spot. He will get there with the Stanley Cup. It's yet to yet to be determined, but it, I'm I'm rooting right now. It's 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 Nathan McKinnon, it's Rick Bonus and uh Yes, Alex Newhook, I think, has a couple of years left at Boston College, but a lot of a lot of guys leave early, like Jack Eichel is over at Boston University yeah. early. So you could see um, Alex Newhook there next year at Colorado camp, and I think he will be. I do. I believe that. I think it's his, uh, he'll finish this year at university. I see after his second year, I think he'll he'll go to Colorado next year. How do you how do you feel about how do you feel about Dawson Mercer? Where do you when do you see him in the NHL? Boy, it'd be interesting to see now what happens after this if the league is going. I mean, he's he's got a good shot at going to uh, New Jersey. I mean, you know, they're a, a team that doesn't hasn't done all that well, right? You know, the last couple of years. So, you know, I, I definitely make the I mean, he's, Yeah, and he can play there. And he can play in any position. He plays left wing. He plays right wing. He plays center. He kills penalties. I mean, he's and he he goes in all the dirty areas. He does, he goes in the corner. He goes in front of the net. You know, he he works like a dog, right? And there's one thing about it. You you know, you, you got to have that work ethic. You got you got to have that, and he, and he's got that. You know, and like, I think I think the, and the and the hockey IQ I call it too. You got to have that. He's no. from he's from Bay Roberts, is that correct? He is Bay Roberts, yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. It, it goes to show you could he's a Bayman and New Hawks a townie. I don't know if you've seen the segment on TSN. Uh, I did actually. Yeah, I did see they, that. they were yeah. giving out the differences between a townie and a Bayman. Yeah. What do you so I'm gonna ask you a question. Where I'm from Gander, Newfoundland, what do you call people like myself? We just call them people from Central. I'm I'm a Bayman. I'm from Cornerbrook. Yeah. I grew up in Curling, which is part of Cornerbrook now. And I, I'm actually I was born on Pee Crossing. Actually, if you know, when I moved in uh, up when I was five years old. But uh, we were always Bayman. We always came to St. John's, and of course, every time we played the Caps in senior hockey, they always called us Bayman. What do you but call the funny part about it? Was 
when you when you're calling guys from Buckins and, and Gander, you certainly can't call them Bama, can you? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, or Grand Falls. I'm I'm from I'm from like the well, Gander, Newfoundland is the aviation town of Gander. It's all it's where all the crossroads of the world used to call it. Yes. Yeah, that yes, the it's all yeah. The crossroads of yeah. the world because all the British planes that come over from Britain come into Gander to refuel. So we're the, I guess we're the, the crossroadonians or whatever. I I've never <laughs> asked the question of what we're actually called. Like if you're from St. John's and you run into a guy from Gander, what do you call the guy from Gander? I don't know, but if you ever going to Gander or Grand Falls or Bishop Falls, so where are you heading? We're heading, we're heading up to Central. Yeah, where my, you? My, yeah. My, uh, one of my daughter, one of my daughter-in-laws, she's from. Well, they're both from Central East. Well, one's from Fogo and one's from Bishop Falls. But I mean, Fogo, you could be a Bayman, but Bishop Falls, you can't be, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, glad I never have to be screeched in when I go down to George Street again. So I, I never, <laughs> I never have that problem entering Newfoundland. I don't, I never, I will never be approached to be screeched in. We're, we're going to come down someday, uh, the offside crew, and we're going to get James and the crew screeched in. But I'm glad I don't have that problem. I, I've tasted yeah. I've tasted screech, but it's usually mixed with a, a liquid, and uh, I've never had to kiss the card. And it, George Street is an amazing place. And I, wanna get, I definitely want to get down to Twillingate. They, they're the 2020 Craft Hockeyville uh, winners. And uh, were, yes. you, were you part of that? Did, were you voting? Like, I just... Uh, oh, we, everybody! Everybody that I know was voting, and right. I said we were in, we were in Twilling Gate in the summer for four days, just uh, four couples on our own little bubble. We we do a lot of things together, and we get together and have a few times and have a few songs and that type of stuff. And uh, we spent four days in Twilling It's a lovely little spot too, great little spot. Did, there. did you did you vote until your fingers fell off? <laughs> You're only allowed to vote so many times, I think, right? I was I was pumped. Um, the girlfriend actually, she she went to Cape Breton on the on the Friday. I think it was August, mid August is when the second or the whenever the date was. They revealed the Gary Bettman revealed the winner on the Saturday. And yes. The, and the girlfriend went to Cape Breton, and she goes, "Do you want to come along to Cape Breton?" I said, "No, because it would." I wouldn't be able to vote for Twillingate, Newfoundland. And we're all brothers and sisters, you know, Twillingate's in the central, Absolutely. central, yeah. uh, centrally located in, Ga- in, in around Gander, Lewisport. And so we're all family. Right. And, uh, so I said, no, I'm not going. I want to stay home and vote. And so I did. And I had the hockey team. I went to the, the Cole Harbor rink. I plastered ads all over the place. And, I'm going to share this interview with Jeff Blacker, who I want to give a huge shout out to because, man, he put him and his wife put in the biggest effort possible so that George gets that $250,000. And what a story. Like back in the day, it's George Hawkins himself, uh, along with volunteers, took pieces. It was the old airport the old hangar. The old, true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. It was the old airport hangar and it got shipped to Lewisport and they put it all back together uh, by. George Hawkins was the engineer with, with the, the huge crew of volunteers. And it's, it's a great story. And yeah, there was great stories all across Canada, but man, it was just great to see the George Hawkins arena, uh, get, get that $250,000. And, uh, well, any, any time anything goes on in Newfoundland, you know, I mean, no matter where it's, it takes place, Newfoundlanders are, they're supported. 
couple of years ago, I got invited out to that, uh, the Hockey Day in Canada, you know, Scotiabank, where they had it in Cornerbrook with Ron McLean and Don and all the boys. Mm. And all the ex alumni were out there. So they invited me out as being from Cornerbrook. And uh, my wife came with me, my two sons and my, and my oldest grandson. And we had a great time out there. I mean, the people were unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if you, you saw it when they had the floods. I did see. I it. mean, and what everything was wiped out. And I mean, Craig Kennedy was with the, was with the city then. God love him. He's gone now, but he was a great player with the Royals as well back in the day. And uh, I mean, they had the roads fixed up. They had the rinks gone. I mean, the, you know, the the government had the highway uh, fixed up. I mean, it was just incredible how much time and effort were put in uh, by the group. I mean, we had a fabulous weekend out there. We were. We had four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We had four nights out there, and it was first-class operation. They had uh, volunteers for everything. I mean, you know, it didn't matter what it was. And one of my dear friends, who was a Supreme Court judge, uh, I mean, he was. He, he, those guys were actually helping drive the people around. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guys out there in Cornwall, they would do anything, you know, to help, you know, with anything that's going on, and it will be the same way. This year, uh, in Twillingate, I can guarantee you that. I mean, yeah. Who, be, knows, who knows when things will start happening? Festivities, but I did hear they'll probably have the, the NHL game or the the Gander Community. Well, story it's called the Steel Community Center. It was the Gander Community yeah. Center? They'll probably house the game there, just where it's a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more better off for the NHL players to play. So you could see the, the NHL game being uh, I heard that too. held in Gander, but it's, it's not finalized. Like Jeff, I've talked to Jeff, and he's mentioned that's an option, right? But, uh, you know, hey, like a couple of years ago, there was that movie called Mr. Alaska with uh, what's his name? And the, the uh, NHL New York, uh, New York Rangers showed up on a helicopter and played an exhibition game with a bunch of um, – bunch of guys in mystery alaska so hey the a plane or a helicopter could land in twillingate and play on uh, the george hawkins arena so it, it absolutely could, it, it, it well, could know, that would be great that would be great yeah, yeah. i'd love to see some of the modern day nhlers playing in that arena though yeah you know yeah they they, they know what we what us guys play with over the years i mean you know you, you talk with the old gander gardens i remember going i mean that was a really tiny rink i'm sure you remember that and in one end the end that the visiting team was in for two periods, it was all plywood all the way across. Yeah. And you had a net stuck in front of it. It was almost like you were the target yeah. in that on that board, you know? No, and, and they George Hawkins Arena is a prime example. They have they play hockey on the ice. So they have the face off dots and the, the goal crease and the, yeah. the the blue line and the red line. And then you'll also see the curling rink. So yes. you see a lot of that in Newfoundland where you'll see the rink being a curling rink and a hockey rink at the same time, just because yeah. they don't have that separate rink. Like Gander's, yeah. Gander's fortunate enough. They have the curling rink and they have the, uh, the, the hockey ring. So, but now uh, a few years ago, I, I believe Gary Roberts used to come on to yep. Tulane Gate. Yeah. Cause I think it, both his parents are from Tulane Gate. No, you're absolutely right. He uh, yep. he was on board, and to, to see a video of uh, Gary Roberts showing his yep. support for Twillingate, man, yep. that the the I talked to Jeff afterwards, and you know, 
even talking to the mayor, like they're just to this day still overwhelmed on there was yeah. there was people in New Brunswick that won last year giving their support for Twillingate. You know, oh, is that right? New, yeah. New, Newfoundland, it's, it was a feel good story. And yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, PEI lost their ring through a fire and Saskatchewan yeah. and, and uh, the other towns they needed, they also could use the 250. But man, yeah. like it was, it was an unscripted story. And just, you know, having the George Hockey Arena in play, you, you couldn't have not voted for Newfoundland, even if you're. Well, even if you're a Torontarian or, or an Ontario or whatever they call themselves. They, well, that's true. Because anybody who comes, story. It's amazing. Anybody story. who comes to Newfoundland, uh, sorry, anybody who comes to Newfoundland uh, for a visit. Yeah. I mean, they're connected. They, they're connected forever. They're connected forever, and they. I've I've had people I've met, uh, you know, over years over years, and met them in Florida. And my God, we came to Newfoundland four or five years ago. We were treated royally. The people are so yeah. friendly. They, they they can't do enough for you. Yeah. And. Uh, we had a neighbor in Florida, actually, and he said, I got to get to Newfoundland. I said, uh, I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, five of our friends, he said, took their trailers and did a tour of Newfoundland. And he was from Ireland originally. And he said, they just could not get over it. Every place they stopped, every night, there was always a, uh, you know, a lot of people around, always, because Newfoundlanders can play music anywhere, and so much talent here. Always a party every night. He said, he said we were treated so well. People brought us into our homes, he said, for meals and and that's what they do here, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, I guess we're part of we're happy to be part of that culture. And now to have you know uh, for uh, Twillingate to get that, I mean, I think it's, that's great for Twillingate. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely little community, and there's I mean, some great people there, you know. And okay. they need the money. You're after, oh, the George Hawkins needed the money. Yeah, their yeah. ice plants failing, the Zamboni is like twenty odd years old, and yeah. It's a feel-good story. Even I know 9/11. Even with COVID, you look at COVID and you look at nine, you look at 9/11. Yeah, 9/11 was unbelievable. Yes, yeah. We we unfortunately don't have time to talk about what 9/11 brought to Gander, but I'll just end it. I'll just end it here on that note. There was people. Planes came in. Say 11 or 12 planes. 600 yep. 600 odd people came into Gander, and Gander was like, "What? Where are we going to put these people?" And this just this is just an example of how Newfoundland is new, and they've and they've said it. It's great to have Mercer and uh, Mercer and uh, Newhawk Newhawk play for Team Canada because every Canadian is watching the Canadian games and they're getting to, they're getting to talk they're getting to see how Newhawk is around the media and how uh, Mercer is around the media and just like man and they, the other day they were talking about like. Newfoundland slangs and everybody in this world in some way, shape or form is connected to Newfoundland. When 9-11 came, there was planes that came in, people connected with other people and, and the man and the girl, they ended up getting married. That's right. right. And, 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 and um, the, the mayor at the time, I forget his name, but he, Claude, uh, Elliott. Claude Elliott came in. They had a, they had a thing. I think it was at the Flyers club. They opened it up or yeah. whatever. And it just—it's well, un- from Twillingate originally. Yes, and it's—it's it's unbelievable, like how we're just drawn to like. Yes, it's great to see Mercer and Newhawk play for Team Canada, but like, in some sh- some shape and form, someone's connected to Newfoundland, and it just—it's unbelievable how nice people are, how people come together, and 
Man, it's it's a it's a great story at a twirling gate. They won the two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but man, oh. like it's just like from for myself, I left when I was three, so I really didn't grow up. You know, I've lost my uh, yeah. accent a little bit, but you know, I still have my grandparents in Gander, Newfoundland, and I I'm gonna travel down there as soon as uh, I can travel, and and I'm not any harm to them. But man, just just being able to connect with you today is such a treat, and I will. Uh, Add one more quote to what you said to Ken Reed in your interview a couple of years ago. As a kid growing up, when you're playing on Daddy's Daddy Does Rink in curling, or that's Bert, true, or Burnt Pond, or down, yes, right. down the bay, everyone yeah. fashions themselves as an NHL hockey player. But a bunch of years later, it happened. So for the kids that are growing up, that you know think hey like i'm in newfoundland like i'm not don't think you have to be in toronto or vancouver or montreal in a nhl city to make the nhl look at new hook and mercer look at you know if you go to if if you go to uh daniel cleary's hockey schools you know there's you know he's connected to nhl so you've got a chance just because you're in a little small town in newfoundland thinking oh i don't have a chance well look at the look at these guys Look at look at Doug Grant. He made the NHL. I know it's a different a different journey now, but hey, Doug Doug made it. So there's still a lot of inspiring people in in Newfoundland to uh, help kids grow into into great hockey players, and, and it works out for some people, and 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 it doesn't work out for a lot of others. But yes, absolutely right. But man, it's been a, well, I, you know I'm, I'm I'm fortunate, and I wouldn't I would not change my nope. you know anything. That way my life has, has done it's, it's been great for me like you said growing up as a kid you lived that dream on the on the ponds mm-hmm. and then it, it comes true it doesn't come true for everybody but it does for yep. a lot of us you know yeah and that- I, just, I just want to say one more thing but not hockey related yep. was when uh, you talk about gander and everything else mm-hmm. so i was in i don't know we were in this bar in florida some about four or five years ago and people were chatting and this person uh, said to me, she says, uh, and where are you from? And I said, I'm from Newfoundland. And she said, oh, my God. She said, thank you very much. And I said, for what? She said, for what you people did on 9-11. There it is. I mean, wow. in a bar in Florida. Wow. You know, I mean, Lord knows where that person was from, but she was an American who knew what the people of Gander and, and Lewisport and Twillingate did for those people in. And that's and, the Newfoundland spirit, I call it. No, and it goes to show, like, they may may have not ever visited Newfoundland, but they're an American, yeah. and they're just appreciative of their country. And they're like, wow, like, you guys really exactly. yeah. took, took in those Americans, and you, you know, you gave them the, you gave them the Newfoundland hospitality. And, you know, Claude, Absolutely. Claude Elliott had mentioned it on a program. At, they just did a, a new, they just had a program there on, on the actual 9-11, I think the anniversary or whatever, and they just, Yes, you know I'll, I'll I'll be connected. Uh, I'll be connected as long as I live, and uh, you know even though, you know my nan and grandfather, nan and nan and I I call it call him Charlie, my step grandfather. Yes, know, yeah. as long as they live, I'll be there to visit it as much as I can. But hey, I'll I'll still go come down, and now I've now I've uh, got a connection to Cornerbrook and St. John. So uh, so when I come down, I. Uh, you're still you're still a young 
a young lad. So we'll have uh, to, yes, I'm only seventy two. Yes, yeah, I'm only a boy. Yeah, so I'll, we'll have to, we'll have to connect up. We'll have to. It, it and this is great. Like I'm like I said it on the top of the show. I like to kind of really connect with people that some people may forget about. And um, I got well the one. next time the next time you're speaking to Kenny Reed or Rick Bonus, you just tell them that Doug said hi. No, I, I two, will. Two, I, I definitely yeah, will. I mean, they're great guys, right? I mean, Bones, no. we go back a long ways, but he's he's a great fella. And so is Kenny Reed, too. I must say he's, a, he's quite a character. Yeah. All right, my friend. Is, All right, Jamie. This has been a pleasure. I um, I really hope you, you can stay safe. Your family stays safe in uh, in St. John's. And uh, we'll just have to fight COVID the best way we can. Absolutely. Yeah. All the best to you, my son. All right. We'll talk to you.